football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always... I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to a loss that was brutal, that was embarrassing, that was a letdown, that was a, gunch, a gut punch. I'm, I'm not ready to say it's the, the, the lowest point of the season by any means because we have to keep our heads here. The Nuggets were coming off a, a six-game win streak and winners of eight of their last nine so I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, although if you sign in to Nuggets Online, that's largely you know what you got last night. Uh, and to discuss it, and when I say last night, I'm talking about Wednesday night at the time of recording. It is Thursday, March 3rd in the afternoon, and I'm joined by really one of our first guests of the year. Um, have been really flying solo uh, throughout the season and uh, was going to be joined by uh, Harrison Wind of DNVR. Uh, he'll join us sometime next week or the week after. Uh, but it's so nice to have Will Peterson in our building here at The Fan now. Uh, Will has been in this town forever from Colorado, uh, on the digital side here at The Fan now, was on the digital side uh, of things at Nine News, worked on air at Altitude uh, before that. So he's worked in the business for quite a while. Will, welcome to the Mile High Hoops podcast, man. Thank you, Zach. I'm uh, appreciative that you're having me on and as one of your first guests, you know, like I, when I listen, you are normally solo. So, uh, you know, I feel like I have big shoes to fill, even if they're no one's shoes but your own. <laughs> no, no one's shoes at all, really. Um, but we're reacting to the loss against the Oklahoma City Thunder that really, you know, I, I don't want to say no one saw coming um, because there is a rough track record history of the Nuggets losing games like that one on Wednesday night. Um, we just hadn't felt those losses actually too much this season uh, in a game where the Nuggets were a whopping 14-point favorite, according to our friends at Superbook. And, Will, I said during the day uh, leading up to the game, a few hours before the game, we were in a commercial break here uh, on Stokely and Zach, and, and I said to uh, to my co-host Stokely, I said, um, they probably can't come to the game drunk tonight, but they might be able to come high and still win. Uh, considering just the really ragtag group that Oklahoma City rolls out there, really, really young guys. That, you know, a few of them have some real talent, but really, really young guys, inexperienced, uh, a bad group that had won just 10 road games leading till last night. And there they were, not just, not just edging out the Nuggets, but really um, in control of things throughout most of the game and, and especially into the second half. Yeah, it's a team that's playing for ping pong balls, right? Like 
they're looking for draft lottery position. That win, in a way, hurt the Thunder last night. It decreased their chances of the number one pick by 0.2% or whatever the number is. So while their core, the guys on the court are happy to win, management is thinking, man, we didn't have that one circled as a win, just like the Nuggets didn't have it circled as a loss. And I think, to your point, they could show up high but not drunk. They didn't show up either, obviously, but they looked that way. They looked like a team that thought they could just roll in at 5.30 and go through the motions. There was no juice in the crowd. It's not going to be a big crowd on a Wednesday night against no, the Thunder. No, And they relied on talent alone. And in the NBA, that will burn you because, yes, you are so much more talented than the Thunder on paper, but anyone can beat anyone on a given night, and that's cliche, but the Thunder players don't make that league unless they're capable of beating Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets should they play one of their better games and the Nuggets just sleepwalk through the motions and that's what they did last night and as you mentioned it hadn't been a problem so much so this year but sort of at the overarching one of the themes of the Michael Malone era is they can beat anyone which is great they can lose to anyone too and that's what we saw last night yeah and 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 one of the things about this season was sort of like a turning of the corner in that department where the Nuggets um uh, they, I mean, I, I watched them lose to a 17-win Atlanta Hawks team three years ago at home. We've seen them lose to a Knicks team that was, you know, lottery, didn't have anyone go and come into Denver and win. Uh, the examples are sort of endless. But this season, this season, well, it seemed like they turned the corner 23-7 and versus teams below 500. It's the third best mark in the Western Conference, one of the best marks uh, in the entire NBA and and that's why they're in the sixth seed. They actually have a losing record against teams with winning records. And that kind of makes sense because they don't have two of their three best players. That's high-end talent. And when you go against winning NBA teams, that's what those guys have, high-end talent. So the way that they've been able to survive is treading water against the teams that they're supposed to beat. So, and I you know went back and forth with uh, our buddy James Merrillat uh, a little bit on, on social media who just crushes Mike Malone, you know, hashtag Teflon Mike. But I want to give credit to Malone in this group particular that actually has not been an issue this year the way that it has been in the past. So although the loss is disappointing and frustrating and you kind of want to pull your hair out, especially if you were playing the number, um, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and react like it's an NFL loss. You know what I mean? This is, I, I hate the, you know, it's the NBA, it's going to happen. But in some ways, it kind of it's the NBA and it is going to happen. Well, and to your point, if they hadn't, sort of buck that trend this season, we would be talking about this team right now in the play-in game. Totally. And we'd be saying, totally. do you really want to see LeBron James and potentially a healthy Anthony Davis in a play-in game? I mean, the Lakers, of course, have all their issues. But if they weren't 23-7 and in those games against quote-unquote bad teams, then we'd be saying, man, this team's entire season is going to come down to one or two games NCAA tournament style. So they've done themselves a lot of favors by bucking that trend. But again... It is a theme of the Malone era, and so I think that's – I know we're not trying to be prisoner of the moment, but I think that's why people like James Merlack go back to that sure. because it's just a – it's on his resume at this point. I get it, of, yeah. Of this sort of – you know, you can't find a lot of flaws in the head coaching of Michael Malone, but that is one of them. And as I mentioned at the start, on a night when there's no juice, an NBA's head coach's job is to manage egos, number one. That is absolutely number one. But I think number two – is to find a way to motivate on nights like that. You don't need to motivate guys in the playoffs. He infamously said after a playoff game last year, or maybe two years ago, if I have to motivate them in the playoffs, then they shouldn't be in this league. 
But sometimes, you know what, on the dog days of the NBA in early yeah. March, you got to find a way to motivate them. And I don't think Malone did that last night. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it is part of the job description of an NBA head coach. It is, and the criticism is fair. It's just a matter of what measurement you're, you 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 weigh that uh, a criticism with. Um, typically, these nights have not been uh, uh, that much of an issue this year because the head of the snake is Nikola Jokic. And while Jokic is smack dab in the middle of the uh, MVP conversation, it's been like a different sort of week for Nikola. Um, not playing great. You look at the raw numbers, and for most people, it's insane. It's awesome. But not playing great. He's actually had an air ball, I want to say, in three straight games. Uh, just a little bit different. Um, 0 for 4 from 3. That wasn't exclusive to Nikola because no one could hit shots. If you look at the the three-point numbers for the Nuggets, Jeff Green, 0 for 1. Aaron Gordon, 1 for 7. The one he made was with like 15 seconds left. Barton, one of the worst shooting nights uh, I, I've seen Will Barton had. And there's a collection of them. There's been a few. But 0 for 9 for him. 0 for 4 from Nicola. 0 for 4 from Monte. So between Monte, Barton, and Aaron Gordon, what are we, 1 for 11, One for 15? Uh, I want to say between those. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Barton's, no. No, it's worse. Barton's 9. 0 for 9, Gordon's 1 for 7, so you're already 1 for 16, uh, so 1 for 20 between Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, and uh, and Will Barton. And Aaron Gordon's lone make came with less than 10 seconds left oh, in the game. Oh, less than 10. I, I said yeah. 15. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. It, it, point being, it was it was the, the ultimate meaningless shot from yeah. Aaron Gordon, and yeah. it's, it's the only one that went in. So I'm with you, man. Four I of mean, the five starters, Will, in single figures. So a couple things there. First of all, on the Jokic thing, I, I tweeted right before the All-Star break, if Nikola Jokic could just sleep for the next eight days, I'd be cool with that. Like, the 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 allure of going to an All-Star game for Jokic, that's probably worn off somewhat. You know, it was his third year in a row starting, his fourth overall. Like, I get it. It's really cool to be one of the 20 best players in the world at basketball and go have yourself recognized. But wouldn't it have been better if he could have just spent eight days in, in his condo or wherever he lives in Denver just sleeping? I mean, you said it, it's a weird week. I think it's a fatigue week, Zach. Mm. I, I think it's caught up to him. He has carried this team on his back he has. for you know the better part of, what are we at, 60-plus games now? I think we got like 20 left, I want to say. And it's catching up to him. Like, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. cannot come back soon enough. And I'm not expecting either guy to be, you know, the all-star level that they're both capable of or Bubble Murray or anything like that. But I think what we've seen out of Nikola Jokic is like he literally has this team on his back and he is just starting to stumble a little bit with a fatigue issue. He'd never tell you it. I don't think Malone would ever tell you it. But that's what that's the vibe I'm getting um, from Jokic, which is unfortunate. And then real quick on the Barton thing, he's one away from breaking J.R. Smith's record for the most all-time three-pointers for a nugget. and He's just trying to get that. And it's in his head. I mean, he's, he's he was awful last night. He was awful the game before. He's missed something like 15 or 16 threes in a row. The best thing for the Nuggets is Will Barton just to get that darn record and then forget about it because right now, every time the ball releases out of his hands, he's thinking about it. You played basketball at a much higher level than I have, but as a shooter, you can't think because anytime you think, you're not making it. You just got to catch and release, and that's what he looks like to me right now. So, I just worry that between the Jokic fatigue and this weird Barton record kind of hanging over his head, this team uh, desperately needs a, a reset. 
and hopefully that you know comes in the form of the Houston Rockets next game. Well, and I think it will. I made a joke on the air that um, I keep on refreshing my Superbook app to wait for that number to pop up because I think there's going to be a serious correction. Uh, the loss at home against OKC, slap slap in the face. I mean, it's a slap in the face. Michael Malone ripped the team uh, after the game, and rightfully so. I mean, sometimes people say Malone goes to that card too much, but if it's true, it's true. It was true on Wednesday night. It's piss-poor effort. The defense was atrocious. The offense um, just chucking threes, man. I didn't see enough guys trying to get to the basket, get into cracks, make plays for others. Without without looking, you know how many threes they took? Or did you, maybe you already know. As a team last As night? As a team. Somewhere low 40s, I would guess. 46. Wow. They took 46 three-pointers uh, and made 26% of them. 12 for 46. Uh, if if you took away Bones and, and – and, um, and uh, Bryn Forbes, I mean, golly, that's that's ten of the twelve threes that were made were by those two guys. And you know, quick point here: we talked about it a little bit last episode. It's like the bench was the anchor that was dragging this team down for felt like every step of the way of this twenty twenty one twenty twenty two journey. Then, in like the last three weeks, they've actually been a positive. I've asked the question: like, is the bench like a strength? He said tentatively or asked tentatively, um, and they they were once again last night. They they were the better unit, the the starters. I mean, when's the last time Jokic played in a game where he was minus twenty seven against a lottery team? And but the bench the bench was the bench was terrific to the point where Mike Malone after the game said, "I I thought about like having these guys close the game, which is insane. It's insane, right?" It's almost uh, well. First of all, I have no idea the last time he was minus twenty seven. It's almost unfathomable to to think that Jokic could have that bad of a game, not that he got any help. I mean, you look at it, he had four assists. He probably would have had 14 assists if anyone yeah. could knock yep. down a shot. Like yeah, that, true. that number is contingent on your teammates making shots. So he could have been getting the ball to, to Monte Morris and Aaron Gordon, Will Barton in wide open situations. There's a reason he only ended up with four assists. Six turnovers for Jokic. Yeah. When's the last time he's upside down he in the assist to turnover ratio? Right. He, yeah, he didn't take care of the ball. But, Zach, to your point about the bench last night, they lost by 12. They no joke could have lost this game by thirty-five to forty if it was the bench of three weeks ago, a yeah, month no, ago. That's true. Like the true. the bench was all positive. You know, Boogie was plus fifteen. Yep. And to me, Boogie has been the line in the sand of when this bench went from um, almost an embarrassment to, like you said, a strength. And if we were doing this podcast three weeks ago, I, I would have said, "Wait, Zach, you just called the bench a strength? Like, what do you like? It's yeah. changed that quickly. Yeah. It's changed overnight." Yep. Um, and I was wrong about the boogie thing. I, I was down on them. Like this guy can't play anymore. He looks like he's got cement shoes on. Um, and while the, that that physical observation might have been true, you're right. It's 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 totally changed since he's gotten here. And it's gotten better once he signed the second ten day, mm-hmm. and then now for the season. Last night was his first loss as a Nugget. Yeah, ten and one. Now. He was ten and zero going into that game, and um, yeah, the, the the bench. I mean, again, it would have been. One of their more embarrassing home losses uh, in the Malone era if the bench didn't show up last night. I mean, they easily, I, I said 35 to 40. That could have been a little bit of hyperbole. But no joke, it would have been a 20 to 25-point loss if the bench didn't play quite well last night. Michael Porter Jr., let's shift gears here a little bit and get out of the um, the moment of the, the Thunder loss as just as brutal uh, as that was. Uh, the Michael Porter Jr. report uh, came out a couple days ago. Um, I believe it was Woj who had it over the weekend saying that Michael Porter Jr., he's going to be on his way to uh, Grand Rapids to play with the G League gold. Um, we saw an Instagram comment to Isaiah Thomas from MPJ, like, I'll see you next week. 
well, both things have changed. Isaiah Thomas gets signed by the Charlotte Hornets, and now we're hearing that um, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is not headed uh, to the gold. You have a bit of that report in front of you from the Denver Post, Mike Singer. Yeah, he reported uh, again Thursday, Thursday kind of mid-morning, that the Nuggets have scrapped plans to send Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray to the Grand Rapids for the time being. Um, he says both per- Porter and Murray were set to fly to the Grand Rapids and practice with the gold on Friday, but logistical concerns, in addition to the fact that they'd only been there for one practice, altered the plans. Altered the plan, sources said. So basically, they were only going to be there for this very brief period of time. And this is the most important part of it, Zach. Neither player has had any kind of setback, according to uh, Mike okay. Singer. So that's the that's the newsy piece of it to me. Is do I really care if they're in the G League or training with the Nuggets? Right, I, right, you right, know, not right. so much. It's not like a a baseball player who always oh, got to go see some live action before mm-hmm, he can hit mm-hmm, a ball again. So. Mm-hmm. I think these guys training with their own team is just fine. It was sort of a, a hold-your-breath kind of headline. And then once you you realized, okay, this was more of a logistical thing than anything else, um, it's not that big of a deal. But still, it does sort of bring in the timeline back into play. You know, Woj's report was Michael Porter Jr.'s going to play in March. But then I, I wrote a blog about this. Well, who was Woj's source and all that? It was Porter's agent. Yep. And and Woj doesn't name his sources ninety five percent of the time. It's just quote sources. This was this one of the five percent. According to the agent, yeah, right yeah. where he named the source. And then of course Michael Malone pregame in Portland was ticked. He right. said, "Don't listen. That didn't come from us." You know. So uh, point being, if if the timeline of March, well, we're now three days into March. We've we've got you know three four weeks left. All right, is he going to go to the gold or not? Like if they were on a plane to the gold tonight, we'd be saying maybe he's playing next week for the Nuggets. Now it feels more like mid to late March for for Porter and Murray, maybe even a little further behind that, at least to me. The the whole um, conversation about MPJ specifically, um, I I said on the last podcast um, that we shouldn't live in our fears with MPJ, that if he says he's ready to go, he's passing the eye test with the workouts, the docs say he's good, trainers say he's good, then then let's let's go, let's roll. But there's this also really freaking paranoid corner of my uh, basketball self that says, man, you know, would it would it just be best to wait? I've been referring to this year as uh, the year before the year. Um, And, you know, considering MPJ, considering uh, Jamal, considering even, you know, someone like PJ Dozier going down for the year, they're just not at full strength. And can you jump on a moving train? right before the last stop and get reacclimated and redefine roles right before it really, really matters. And I just, the risk reward of it, I just, I have this um, just tentative trepidation to the whole thing that, you know, I don't want to be chicken little, like, you know, but at the same time, um, I want to use wisdom here. The sad reality to me on the whole situation is it's his third back surgery in the last five years. Mm -hmm. So he may know his body now with these surgeries better than he should. If it was his first one, I would agree with you. It's like, well, he thinks he's ready, but he has no idea what ready feels like. This is his first time going through it. He had one of these at Missouri. He had one in his first year before, you know, he could get on the floor for the Nuggets. So it's sort of the sad but true thing is like this guy's hyper aware of how his back feels on a day in and day out basis because he's now had three of these suckers That's in true. the last five years. That's true. Um, and, 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 and let me just add to this is to your point is that this most recent surgery was the least 
like reconstructive. This was to Invasive, remove some pre- maybe. Yeah. This is to remove some pressure. Was a pain tolerance thing. So um, less like structural type of reconfiguring. On the risk reward thing, <laughs> you make some great points. This is a little bit of, of forecasting, you know, a month or two down the road. But if they let's say they both come back and get you know a handful of games in before the the playoffs, whatever. Zach, this is either going to blow up in the Nuggets' face or they are going to make a Western Conference Finals run with a chance to play in the NBA Finals. <laughs> they really could. I don't see any other outcome. They're either going to look so out of sorts, look like Murray and Porter weren't ready. Porter, to your point, should have been sitting the rest of this year out, and they're going to get swept by the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round, and people like James Merrillat are going to tell us that John ja Moran is better than Nikola Jokic because they just broom the Nuggets. Or... It's going to be brilliant. Murray and Porter are going to click. They're going to upset the Grizz. They're going to get the Warriors in the second round who, you know, this whole Steph Clay thing is still molding together. They obviously got out of the gates fast, haven't looked as as good lately. They're going to beat the Warriors in six or seven, and that's going to firmly put them on everyone's radar throughout the country. And then they'll get a rematch with the Phoenix Suns at full health in the Western Conference Finals. And and we'll be talking about, hey, they didn't have Jamal last year uh, in this series. And now, you, you you know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels like if these guys come back, man, th- there's one of two outcomes. Disaster or first NBA Finals appearance in Nuggets history. Like, I just don't really think there's a middle ground. Man, you could be right about that. Those are t- those are two extremes, but both of them are actually reasonable. Um, and, and the last note on on uh, Jamal MPJ stuff. Like, this this group is a lot different than, say, the start of last season. The start of last season. Aaron Gordon isn't on this team at the start of last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins isn't on the team at the start of last season. Bowens Highland isn't on the team at the start of last season. Austin Rivers isn't on the a team at the start of last season. Bryn Forbes isn't on the team at the start of last season. Davon Reed isn't on the... Like, more than half the guys that played last night, or on Wednesday night, excuse me, weren't on the team. So it's not like you're reintegrating to just um boundless familiarity that's not the case i mean it's 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 moving parts but newer work, working parts if you're someone like mpj or jamal who really just hadn't spent a ton of time with this particular group it's really interesting you bring that up because it well, first of all it speaks to the greatness of nikola jokic totally. that you can just roll the ball out there of jokic and four other guys and he'll find a way to win games like he may go back to back mvp i don't think he will i do think joel and beetle get the award but he may go back-to-back MVP with just totally different teams. Like, when Steve Nash did it, I always think of Steve Nash on the Suns. Like, it was still Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion and Joe Johnson. Like, he had the same same Phoenix Suns team. This would be very different teams that uh, Jokic is doing it back-to-back. And if, if we want to call Tim Connolly, you know, one of the best GMs in the NBA, this is a little bit of a test on him too. Like, I think he's one of the best GMs because he drafted Nikola Jokic 41st overall. Like, that just automatically puts you into that top tier of NBA presidents, GMs, whatever mm-hmm. his title is. But to make over a team as much as he has, okay, well, the team in the bubble got to the Western Conference Finals. And then last year they got to the second round and, you know, injuries just caught up to him and they ran into a red hot Suns team. But if they can get to the second round again this year and then, fingers crossed, the Western Conference Finals. I mean, Tim Connolly is firmly in that top tier of GMs if that happens oh, t- again. Totally. Because it's a it's just another makeover that he did correctly. Like Gary Harris and RJ Hampton for Aaron Gordon, like 
That looks like a great trade. Like, yeah, I know they play for the Magic, and I don't even know if RJ Hampton's still there. I know Harris is. But those guys aren't on anyone's radar right now. No. Like, they're, they're not, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a makeover ability of Connolly that, again, will continue to the naysayers out there. And I'm not one of them, but I have heard naysayers say, well, he's not just a great GM because he, he, you know, picked Jokic. Well, in my opinion, you, you kind of are. It's like, I mean, he's the only second-round MVP in, right. in the history of the league. It's kind of like people want to knock John Elway because all he did was sign Peyton Manning. It's like, well, signing Peyton Manning was a pretty big, big freaking deal. But for, for Connolly to do it again with a different roster and another sort of Elite Eight playoff run, to, to use an NCAA basketball analogy, I mean, again, it just solidifies that he, he's literally – Probably top three in the NBA He's, as a GM. The Nuggets are, love, are are so lucky to have him, and Nuggets Nation's lucky to have Tim Connolly. From finding Jokic in the second round, finding Monte Morris in the second round. Second round draft picks in the NBA aren't like second round draft picks in the NFL. No, they're worthless. Eighty percent of them don't last in the NBA, right. let alone thrive like a borderline starting point guard, Monte Morris, like an MVP in Jokic. And then identifying the additions of you know a seamless fit in Aaron Gordon after the Jer- Jeremy Grant thing didn't work, uh, um, it, it could have worked, and, and Jeremy just wanted to do something else. But um, yeah, the, the addition of Boogie, the drafting of Bones, uh, you know, the addition of Austin late last year. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Connolly has touched is just it's just gold. Um, okay, uh, before we get out of here. I just want to look at the um, final 20 games of the season. We're 62 games in here, Will, and the Nuggets are 36 and 26. That leaves, uh, that's 62 games, mm-hmm. okay? That leaves 20 games left. The Nuggets over under season win total was 47 and a half, okay? So they got to get to 48 wins. They already have 36 of them. That means they need to win 12 more games. So if there's 20 more games left, they need to go 12 and 8 down the stretch of the season for their uh, over/under season win total to hit. You look at the immediate horizon. You got a Houston Rockets team uh, who's not very good at home on Friday. I think the Nuggets win, and I think they win big uh, Sunday. They have the Pelicans. They should absolutely be able to beat uh, the Pelicans. Although in February they weren't able to do that at home. Um, we'll see what happens this time around. You would think that some little payback bit of a is, revenge it, game, it, yeah, yeah. 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 Some, some payback is in order, or at least a heightened awareness, and you know, um, like you got got. So come in with your hands up, ready for a fight. Um, you, as you as you look at the schedule, can the Nuggets go twelve and eight through the remainder of this season? and cover that 47 and a half. Well, I think it's easier to identify losses than wins, right? So I, I think there's only a handful of games on the schedule that I say are sure losses. You've got two at home against Golden State in the next week. You know, it's kind of a weird schedule. You go Golden State, Sacramento, Golden State. Let's say they split that, right? Fair. So there's one. Um, then you got to go to Philly. That We're just going to give them an L. That's just a tough place to play. And I don't want to get into the whole Jokic and B thing. Whatever. That, that's and, two. And, and they're playing well right now. After the Harden trade, it's like they're, they're, they're averaging like literally 130 a game. They, they got down by – I'm talking about Philly. They got down big against the Knicks and just seamlessly came back. They've won, I want to say, six of their last seven. Yeah, it's a, it would be a really good win. Let's put it that way. Yeah, if they yeah, go yeah. to Philly, you and Stoke the next day on the show are talking about what a great win that R- was. Right. Uh, end of a long road trip in Cleveland. I know Cleveland hasn't quite been the same, but they're still upper echelon of the East. Mm-hmm. Let's call that three losses. Then you've got a stretch at home where you've got the Celtics, Clippers, and Suns. I think you probably don't win all three of those. No. Um, so that's probably you know a fourth loss there. 
Then you go to Charlotte, to Indy. You got to win. You would think you'd win both those, but call it a split because it's just a it's like a weird little road trip late in the year. There's five losses. Then you go to the Lakers. I mean, I know the Lakers aren't what they used to be by any stretch, but they still seem to to have the Nuggets number a little bit. So we'll call that six losses. And then the last two games of the year, man, you got you got Memphis and the Lakers at home. Both those teams will have a lot to play for in those games. You would think you would at least split. So that would be seven. So I I think they can go 13-7 and seven down the stretch, Zach. Now, if they have a dumb home loss like they did on Wednesday night against the Thunder, you know, let's say they, they lose to the Spurs, who are kind of out of it. Well, there's your 12-8. and eight, There's your number. You know what it's going to come down to? And this is this is kind of going to drive Nuggets fans nuts. Sunday, April 10th, game 82 against the Lakers. Lakers. They may be sitting on 47 wins going into that game. Could you imagine? Yeah. Comes down to a Lakers game at home, last game of the season. It's not crazy. It's it's really not crazy. Um, all right. Uh, look, I think they're going to get it. The, j- just talking it out with you right now, mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to win the next two at home against Houston and New Orleans and need to and from there just having to go 10 and 8 the rest of the way just over 500 ball and I think that they'll do that and then you think hey if the cavalry's coming and you know guys are coming back it should be easier eh, we'll see you know we'll see um okay we'll leave it there for now uh Friday night at home against Houston Sunday against the Pelicans will we appreciate you being here for your first time. I'm sure it's not going to be your last time. Great. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it, man. All right. And, guys, you know that whatever happens against Houston and New Orleans, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Football is back, and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help.